welcome to another episode of Acts of the Blood God and Independent RPG Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Bailey. Joining me as always, my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford. Hello, Kat. Um, I hope it's warm where you are because here it is murderously cold. And also joining my my equally lovely co-host, Eric Van Allen. Ain't cold yet. Texas is still doing good. Knock on wood. <laughs> Hang in there, man. Don't have pipes that burst. Oh, gracious me. I remember hearing about that. That sounded like a nightmare. Someday I'm going to find a good uh, title for Eric. Knight of the Blood God or something like that. I'm, I'm fine with being a high priestess of the Blood God. I'm good. You could be lovely. Yeah. I do. Yeah, absolutely. You're I very have lovely. Priestessly qualities. <laughs> <laughs> well, as always, we will be talking about all of the RPGs, specifically Pokemon Legends Arceus, which is now out. Most of us haven't played it, but all the reviews are out. And there's already some early discourse. So we're going to talk about that discourse in this episode. We're also going to be talking about Yellow Jackets. We're going to be discussing the Pantheon of the Blood God Vote, which is ongoing right now. We're going to be visiting the Nadia Nostalgia Nook slash Pit. And of course, we'll be adding four new games to the nominations for the Top 25 RPG Remake 2022 Integrate. <sighs> yes. As always, we are recording this show live for our Stars of Destiny. Thank you so much for all of you for being here. And this week we have Azixa, Drew, WRX, Cal L, Ruka, Sardan, Space Jam, DVD, thank you, Virus, VV Complex, and Weeblord. Thank you so much for your lovely support. We genuinely appreciate it. If you enjoy the show, do us a favor, leave a review on the podcatcher of your choice. Thank you to everybody who's been leaving us reviews over on Spotify. It's been really gratifying to see so many kind reviews over there and also on Apple Podcasts of late. You're all, you're warming my heart right here. It's, uh, your comments are are very wonderful. You can follow me on Twitter at the underscore catbot. Nadia's at Nadia Oxford and Eric is at CMOOSI, S-E-A-M-O-O-S-I. If you enjoy the show, consider checking us out and supporting us at patreon.com slash bloodgodpod, where for the cost of a cup of coffee, you can keep us going for another month. And also, you get tons of bonus content. You can join us here in the live chat. You can listen to our special bonus episodes like Charlie and Dropouts and the From Software podcast. And we've got Pantheon of the Blood God coming up this week, in which we will finally talk about Bloodborne. And oh my gosh, it's been the best monthly game club that we've had so far. It's been just completely lit. I've been having a blast. Okay. Let's talk about our sacrifices to the Blood God, what we have been playing, and we'll start with you, Nadia, because you wrote the words, and children, please cover your freaking ears, Pokemon ass. (laughs) (laughs) See, Nintendo did this to themselves. I never even thought of Pokemon arse until they said, no, it has to be Arceus, because otherwise it sounds like arse. I'm like, well, now that you've said it, I'm not going to erase it, am I? Exactly. But uh, yes, I am playing Pokemon ass. Uh, in addition to um, a little bit of Final Fantasy and Bloodborne. But uh, we will talk more about Final Fantasy. Sorry, we will talk about more about Pokemon RC in a, in a sec. So I may as well just talk a little bit about Bloodborne and how I completely missed a cleric beast for uh, you missed the first it. boss. Oh, somehow. you skipped I it. it. Yeah. Sequence breaking. <laughs> I had to go back and be like, do, 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 do. Oh, 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 crap. Yeah. Because the first boss I got to was Father What's-His-Face with a, with mm-hmm. a smile. Oh, Father and Gaskin. Father Gascoin. I almost... 
I, I did okay, considering I had nothing in the way. Like, I hadn't unlocked the doll at that point, so I couldn't really upgrade my um, my stats. So I did pretty good, but ultimately I died, and he took a lot of blood echoes with him, so that didn't go so well. But I did beat the Cleric Beast, and I unlocked the Kirkhammer, it's called? But I can't mm -hmm. use it yet because I don't have the strength. Is it worth... I was looking up, like, what stats to build up, because of course I did, and of course vitality is important, but then... I need strength to use the Kirk hammer. And I like fast weapons, like not fast, 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 but like really, you know, the saw blade is kind of fast, but I like, I heard a Kirk hammer is a little faster. So I'm wondering if it's worth really. Uh, Kirk hammer in sword forms fast, but this, the hammer form is pretty slow. I love the Kirk hammer. It's my favorite weapon, but uh, I would say if you like the saw blade, then mm. maybe you'd want to look at some Go other with the stuff. spear. Spears good. I like spears. It's like the spears holy, very fast. holy sword fast or something and you can like jab. that. Yeah. There's also, I'm using Ludwig's holy blade and it's one. very yeah, good. Yeah. It's basically a two handed great sword that if you want can become one handed. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think it's great for crowd control. It's great for getting through levels. It staggers enemies. I think it's just a little harder to use on bosses in some mm -hmm. cases, especially mm -hmm. the really fast ones. So in those instances, it's sort of better to be able to have something like uh, the, the spear. And if you have the, saw, the spear, it'll kind of teach you to get better at parrying. Mm -hmm. And parrying yeah. is really useful for certain bosses. Yeah, because I don't know a whole thing. I don't know a lot about parrying. I know that I have stopped some enemies in their tracks with like bullets and stuff like that. But otherwise, I'm not really good at parrying. Yeah, the mm. way it works is like when somebody's coming at you in attack animation, you shoot them and they'll kind of like stagger and fall to yeah. one knee. And that's when you run up and hit attack and your your dude will go into an animation and just like gut them and kick them down. And it's really sick and stuff. So I recommend awesome. figuring that out. You can like head Feels to one so of the areas and test it out. Yeah, I'm looking forward to playing some more. I am almost done with Bloodborne. If I really push hard, I think I can finish it this weekend. Oh, wow. Because I'm on the, the Nightmare of Mensis. Mm -hmm. And um, there is a scary house with windows that make you go crazy. Cool. Among yeah. other things. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. rad. That sounds ter terrifying and amazing. Have you fought and Mikolash yet? No, I have not. Hmm, Nikolai. Yeah, okay. But he reminds me of uh, the Gear Knight from um, Shovel Knight. Mm. The ah, little yes. guy with the big helmet. <laughs> the thing I like about Bloodborne, I guess from Soft in general, is that they take those like conventional fantasy settings, uh, Victorian settings, and add like the splash of Japanese horror to them. And yes. it's terrifying. The first mm -hmm. time I saw a Carrion Crow, I nearly crapped myself. Mm -hmm. Like seeing a bird just scratch towards you on its wings and then it doesn't even like caw it screams or something and i mean they're they're, they're easy enemies you can down them on one hit yeah. but they're so like they unnerve you so much that it's, it's hard i totally agree yeah and this is the area where they really get into full japanese horror like you have these melty people who are mm -hmm. slithering Yay! towards you and that kind of Hooray! thing melty. so and also these sideways smiling werewolves. Yeah. Oh, for God's yeah. sake. Don't Why like they those do guys that, that shoot yeah. uh, gross worms at you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm looking forward to Elden Ring so much since playing this game. I'll just say that. Yeah. This has really made me excited to be playing Elden Ring. So, yeah. And I just, I've 
I've been really enjoying my playthrough of Bloodborne and come what may, I'm just really glad that I've had an opportunity to experience this game in its like full death and its full glory. Cause I had played Dark Souls, but I never truly got yeah. that far into Bloodborne. So I was I was kinda like, Well, it's so much what's so good about this game? And now I'm like, ah, I think I have a much better idea of what's so good about this game. Yeah, I definitely appreciate how it's more you're on the front foot versus the back foot in Dark Souls. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. okay with Dark Souls. I like it, but I definitely I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. There's a certain amount of flailing to this game. I'm, I'm not doing strategy all the damn time. That's for that's for sure. Especially with the camera, it sometimes just freaks out and leaves me in a corner somewhere. But yeah, it's it's definitely the kind of game that that drives you to to go into a frenzy instead of mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. acting defensively. I would recommend checking out our monthly game club if you haven't already, dear listener, because it's been so much camaraderie among all of our Discord listeners. I've had multiple people beat it, help me beat bosses and that kind of thing. It's been great. A hunter is never alone. Andy, Eric, what were you I was about to say. I was just going to say, I feel like this game almost benefits from not being a Souls game because it, it just has to exist within its own universe. And so it gets to really explore some really big themes like the when you beat rom and the stuff that transpires after you beat rom uh is still like an incredible moment of video game where the first time i went back to one of the fires and i saw something there that had not been there prior and it's it it switches from being like just beast hunt the video game to now oh, this is like some cosmic terror stuff going on. Cosmic horror. Here we go. Yeah, it it goes from the old blood to like, I want eyes. I need to see. I have more space on my skin to put eyes on (laughs) to see the majesty. And it's like, that's when it gets really creepy and really, really good. So, yeah. This game is very much, oh, do you have some kind of thing that really squicks you out, disturbs you? It's in this game. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you'll have to deal with it at some point. Hope you don't like. Sp- I hope you're not an arachnophobic because oh, there's yeah. plenty of that. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm I was good. talking about this on the uh, podcast. Or, sorry, in uh, Books of the Blood God channel, where I've been reading Lord of the Rings and I was reading the Shelob fight, and I was mm. like, "Wow, Tolkien really could write bloodborne battles, couldn't he?" <laughs> <laughs> he knew. Yeah, I oh, the Shelob fight's incredible. Holy cow! What a mm. What a fight scene. Uh, Token's much better at one-on-one fight scenes than he is giant, large-scale mm-hmm. battles. Which he usually just like opts for the hero to sleep through. But I haven't gotten to Pelennor Fields yet, so I, I will report back. I was a little, a little whelmed by, uh, by the um, Helm's Deep battle. But, mm-hmm. uh, Eric, what are you playing? This is uh, the start of February, basically, here. So this is the start of I can't talk about it just yet. <laughs> stay, <laughs> stay tuned for next week, if I have that right in my head, uh, for a thing that I've been putting a lot of time into uh, and we'll have more Exciting. time put into next week. Uh, and I also, obviously, we're going to talk about RCS. I've played about anywhere from five to seven hours of RCS probably since it came out. So, more um, than me. Wow. Yeah, I, I spent a lot of like I stayed up last night, played a couple hours, woke up early this morning, played an hour or two. And then during the workday, I played a couple hours. So I put some time in uh, just because well, we'll talk about it. But yeah. uh, I also have been playing the post patches of 14. There's not too much to say there other than that. Wow. Uh, the post patches of Heaven's Word really feel like part of Heaven's Word and really carry that momentum super well. And 
I like a lot of the stuff they're doing. Uh, it's a game that continues to surprise me over and over because I know we talk all the time about how it is. The story is incredible, but even just the designs, the encounters, the the things that you are doing keep getting increasingly more well thought out and more congruous and even just little benign moments end up feeling very important. Uh, It's it's definitely a game that keeps you on your toes at certain points. Uh, There were a few points in this last patch that I was playing this morning that uh, definitely had me going like, Something's going to happen. Don't throw parties in Eorzea. It's a bad idea. <laughs> no Every more time parties somebody has a feast or a party or a conference, it's bad. <laughs> Things go <laughs> bad. So just no more parties in Eorzea. No more parties. Uh, that's a deal. Deal. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and also now I can pay money for Final Fantasy XIV. So I'm able to Yay. play beyond what I was previously able to now. So that's exciting. And it's been fun to actually be able to log in at normal people hours and play that game like a and not have person. to wait in the queues for hundreds and hundreds. Yeah. And I'm working on so I'm going to Fantasia my character uh, and I'm going to rename my character because right now my character's name is literally C. Moosey. <laughs> I, I know it's I, great. I tried I tried to like get in while I could. And so I just threw that in there and made a dude that looked like Geralt from The Witcher. Uh, and so I'm going to Fantasia. I th- I'm thinking I've got a first name down. I want it to be Marin after my one of my favorite uh, Legend of Zelda characters. <laughs> uh, and also because that like inspires thoughts of the sea. And then I'll work on a last name. I'm working on that one still. Uh, but it will be probably a female Aura uh, Dragoon. And I think that'll look super sick. So I'm looking forward to that. Are you? Do you not want to be a Ronso anymore? I took a look. So I thought it was I thought it was literally Ronso. That's what I was excited no, about. I no, wanted a not. literal Ronso. And once I learned that they right. did not have the horns, I was like, no deal. Oh, <laughs> so. oh, no, no. You're right. They should have the horns. I think that is... Uh, I think that is a raw deal. One thing you will notice when you go into Storm uh, Stormblood, it's actually kind of funny, is that is the point where Square Enix told the PlayStation Three players, "I'm sorry, we can't do this anymore. You're going to have to <laughs> can't support you cut anymore. loose. <laughs> yeah. See you all later." So the quality of the character models and like the facial expressions and stuff goes up uh, gradually and gradually. But uh, can't yeah, believe they, they the cell the processor 3. couldn't keep up with Stormblood. <laughs> I know. <laughs> What a game continues to be an incredible game. I don't I honestly am probably going to slow down on my playing of it now just because there are so many games coming out. Exactly. Yeah, they're all coming out my time. So I imagine I probably won't get to the end of Stormblood till like June. <laughs> but yeah, who I knows? I was slow with the, main, with the main quest. That's fine. Take your time. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. I got time. I got time. I've got both Pokemon Legends Arceus and Horizon Forbidden West. So I guess I'll oh, be you got Horizon Forbidden West. Oh. I did, yes. Sony is uh, giving out those codes, as you could probably see on social mm-hmm. media, by all the influencers taking pictures yeah. of their tile on their PS5 in the mm-hmm. tackiest way possible. But their tile. <laughs> everyone else was bragging about Horizon. You know what I have? Depression, mm-hmm. okay? Yeah, oh, you don't see me bragging. <laughs> you can't talk about it yet, though, can you, Kat? I cannot. No, right. there's very strict embargoes because that's how it is. Uh, I'm surprised you're reviewing it. a couple it. weeks before I can actually talk about it. I am not reviewing it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure Sony would love me reviewing it after what happened at US Gamer that one time. Do you think they still remember that? Do you oh, think they're they still mad remember. at us? Oh, they remember. 
Guys, you're a multi-billion dollar corporation. Put on your big boy pants. Come on. Sony is still mad that we spoiled the power armor quest in our guides. Oh, After is that all what they're these pissy years? About? Okay. Yeah. I thought still there was a mad. review. Still mad about that. <laughs> Joke's on them. We're not at that site anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Joke's on them. The site's dead. Uh, uh, we owned it. RIP. Uh, poor US Owned them in the classic way. My favorite, if, before we move on to Arceus, I just want to mention, because this is the season of silly embargoes, and we already have an award winner, because Dying Light 2 uh, had part of their embargo. Everyone got to tweet one screenshot from the game and they had like certain parts that they said you couldn't tweet a screenshot from but everything else <laughs> fair game and shout outs to my friend friend of the show uh jesse vitelli over at prima games tweeted out <laughs> a story scene from one of the main quests where a character says the phrase vagina dentata <laughs> a vagina with fangs <laughs> It's a real sentence they say in the video game Dying Light 2, and that was the one yeah. screenshot he chose to tweet. Was it within embargo? I mean, it seems yeah, like it was. Yeah, it was uh, perfectly allowed. It was perfectly within bounds. Well, then that was an excellent choice. Thank you, Jesse, yeah. for that. Shout outs to that. Welcome to Blood God After Dark, everybody. <laughs> it's The whole day's been dark. I mean, it's wintertime. It's all dark. Well, let's talk about a game that's a little more wholesome. Pokemon Legends Arceus. Yes, it is now here. The reviews are out. And by and large, the reviews have been very positive. It has an 85 on Metacritic. Here's what some of the reviewers are saying. Launcher says, The Pokemon series has always been more about than its graphics. And this game exemplifies that. Eurogamer says, There's an overpowering sense of novelty to Pokemon Legends Arceus. This is something new, and it's also Pokemon, a decade-old series in its purest essence, battle, trade, and collect. But then IGN, and with its reviewer, our pal Rebecca Valentine, saying, I'm left feeling torn about Pokemon Legends Arceus. On the one hand, its revamped systems are utterly revolutionary to the franchise. It sheds both stale battle mechanics and an outdated progression system that sorely needed a shakeup and the new replacements are incredibly fun, even after hours of repetition. But while Legends Arceus is the closest Pokemon has ever been to reflecting the monster catching and battling, as I always imagined them in my head as a child, its otherwise exciting attempt at a genre shift is set in a disappointingly empty, ugly, and at times tedious world. So those are the conversations, and the conversation that I am seeing forming around Pokemon Legends Arceus graphics and polish versus innovation because the uh the people who are boosting this game are going you know what i really love that this game is trying something new and really going for it and the people who are like yeah but the world is super empty and honestly this game could have used another year in the oven so i guess the question that i posed to you and also to the people in the chat do we put too much emphasis on graphics and polish when we are talking about big budget releases in games in general? Here's the thing, and this is an opinion I've taken many times before. I'm not saying that Game Freak could really improve to could really stand to improve and at least get some consistency in their work because as I've said, they are very good at models and the Pokémon and Pokémon Arceus look great. 
But something about their environments, especially in 3D space, they just really can't nail it. And I'm going to throw this over to Eric because I had a, I had a thought, but I completely lost it. So I'm going to go ahead and reform that. <laughs> yeah, my, <laughs> ans- me, everyone. my answer is yes, we do put too much emphasis on it. But Arceus d- like deserves the scrutiny because as much as I've played now, I wouldn't even necessarily say the problem is just graphics. Yes, a lot of the graphics don't look great. Like, don't stare too hard at the water. Some of the mountains and stuff, especially when you're flying, don't look great. The frame rate at on distant Pokemon looks stop motion at times. And that is a thing where you're looking at that and wondering how much of this is Game Freak and how much is what the Switch can handle. But then you see things like Breath of the Wild and you're like, the Switch can handle. But, or Monster uh, Hunter Rise. Exactly. Mm. Dragon but Quest S. The, the thing with Arceus is that so many of its environments granted i'm only in the first area right now like the first <laughs> open wide area it is just empty and not like empty and exciting in the way that like a red dead 2 plane is or even like hyrule fields in breath of the wild or or even monster hunter rise where the arena just kind of needs to exist and mm-hmm. the focus is on the monsters Instead, it just kind of feels like there is a land, a piece of land that the Pokemon hop around on, and they're kind of roughly placed where you would put them. You know, water Pokemon are near the water, uh, mountain Pokemon, ground, rock, that sort of stuff. But otherwise, there's not recognizable landmarks outside of a few places. There's not really things to explore. There's not that sense of discovery it sort of just feels like you're wandering around an open circle with some terrain in it and like i honestly think some reviews are pulling some punches in that respect because at times like i've played some games that definitely used unity assets and stuff like that and this feels like a game that was using unity assets in some parts because it's just flat and (laughs) i get that some of this is probably hardware problems. Some of this is they're making this game for the first time and and you can tell they're making this kind of game for the first time. But uh, it is it is a thing. And I really do think there is incredible innovation in this game. And I'm really enjoying my time with this game. But I'm also not going to like sit here and pretend like the world is as captivating as Breath of the Wild is. Well, it really goes to show what an achievement Breath of the Wild oh, was, 100%, right? 100%. It was a launch yeah. game for the Nintendo Switch. I mean, technically, it was being developed for the Wii U. I know. But that game is gorgeous, and the world is gorgeous, and it's stylized in such a way that is really hard to replicate. And it's clear that Pokemon Legends Arceus takes a lot of cues from Breath of the Wild, but trying to replicate that magic isn't easy. No, and what I was going to say earlier is that Pokemon has never been a series about graphics. And this is not me ex- ex- you know, excusing Arceus, because while I can understand some pop-up and frame rate issues, because hello, it's the Switch, uh, I haven't gotten anywhere, but like the idea of there, be- of there being like just flatness, that much to do, like, that does bother me a lot. But going back to uh, early Pokemon, when I think of the last Pokemon that looked really good, I think of X and Y, uh, sorry, black and white. Uh, black two and white two otherwise pokemon has always been very kind of uh low key in terms of its visuals out of necessity on the game boy but by the time he got to 
uh, Ruby and Sapphire, that's when people started complaining about the graphics because I distinctly remember reviews saying, why are these uh, sprites not animated? Especially with the Pokedex isn't all there. After Crystal <laughs> had animated Pokemon. Yes, it did. So I'm not saying every Pokemon game looks bad, of course, but I am saying it's not a a series that has really like carried by on its visuals. It's always been more about the distinct look versus high fidelity. That's the weird part is the Pokemon look really, really good. Like, yeah, they I do. really like the look of the Pokemon and just the fact that they're moving around in the world and you're kind of moving in areas near them. I love the ability to sneak up on Pokemon and just catch them outright and seeing some of these Pokemon that there's one of the big things is that there are these alpha Pokemon that, you know, there are Pokemon of different sizes that you can catch like small mm-hmm. ones, large ones. And then there's alpha ones that have the glowing red eyes and they're angry and you have to kind of like <laughs> subdue them. Sounds like in, me in the first area. I crested this hill and on the other side, I saw a Rapidash on on the far side and I was like, oh, cool. And you know that trick that the world plays on you when something looks small from far away (laughs) (laughs) and then you get closer. You're like, oh, this is much larger than I thought it was. Sounds like Looney Tunes. Big horse coming at me. (laughs) (laughs) And that was a really cool moment where I was like, that's the that's the thing I've wanted from Pokemon for a while. And not even just the sense of scale with the player. That's really, really cool. I've always felt that Pokemon felt small, even in recent games like Sword and Shield, where you were in the world with them. I, I feel like this game nails the scale and also the danger of Pokemon. Like mm. these Pokemon will waste you. <laughs> They'll kick your ass. Yeah. Yeah. That's and, what they meant when they said, don't go in the tall grass. The Pokemon will get you. Yeah. And like that aspect of it is really, really, really cool. Uh, and I'm really enjoying it. It's just all of that is happening on a flat terrain and who's to say that the flat terrain is maybe a choice to make the Pokemon pop more and they wouldn't pop like they would if the world was heavily populated. I don't, I don't buy that personally. I don't think that's the argument why, but yeah, it's just lacking some of that stuff. I think of breath of the wild and I would see just a ruined town in the middle of a field with like some swords and shields scattered nearby. And there was no explicit lore thing that told me what happened there, but I know what happened to this world and I see that and I'm like, oh yeah, like that just kind of reinforces some of the themes of Breath of the Wild and gets me in sort of the mindset that they want me in. And here I'm just like, yeah, this is a really big open area where there are Pokemon wandering around at times. (laughs) What is with this game and threatening to have you and leave you die of exposure? I finished the first task and the commander who has a really mean look on her face, Mm -hmm. by the way, Mm -hmm. just perpetually mad mm-hmm. said oh i guess you don't have to leave you out there to die after all like holy moly woman like i'm a <laughs> child i have I have a, a, a trendy band t-shirt on or something the opening of this game is is incredible it's fantastic it's a great opening mm-hmm. yeah I, that's what hilarious. i played i played the opening i was like oh this seems really nice yeah, it opens <laughs> up and it's like here feel think here's a cell phone <laughs> like, i was like cool yeah the cell phone go. flies into the light Dang, I got 5G from Arceus. <laughs> Let's go. You wake up and you talk to God. It's like, oh, crap, I think I'm dead. <laughs> I would kind of go the other way and say that the best RPGs are, by their nature, really innovative and really push the envelope in terms of pol- uh, mechanics. 
but aren't necessarily the most polished games. Mm. Polishing, polish, and by that I mean nice textures, maybe not having as many bugs, um, really putting more emphasis on graphics over and presentation over the guts of the game. That's more of an action thing versus an RPG thing. And people are putting these expectations on Pokemon that it should be, I don't know, like Elder Scrolls or something. Yeah. Or yeah. Horizon Zero Dawn. And as Launcher was saying, Pokemon has never been about the graphics. Pokemon has always been what's beneath. I mean, if you look at Pokemon Red and Blue, by Game Boy standards even, that was not a good looking game. Mm-hmm. But it was a very smart game. Exactly. And I still have to play the game. So I'm not going to make any hard declarations. But over and over again, you know, talking to Reb, she was saying that the uh, actual systems are really well realized. Oh, yeah. The concept and the yeah, core of the game is really smart and really well realized. And everything I hear about this game makes me go, yeah, I want to play this game. What can I say? It sounds really intriguing to me. So, uh, yeah, no, I am looking yeah. forward to getting deeper into it. And I think it is one of those situations where I don't know what it is with Game Freak. I swear I'd love to know. I'd give a, I'd give all my money, which is zero dollars, to find out what makes them tick. You hear the stories about how this team has 500 people, that team has 500 people, and these Pokemon games have teams of like 150 people. And I'm sure they contract in a lot of help, but probably not nearly enough for what is, you know, a world-famous franchise. But um, I... I don't want to say they're like from soft, but I just feel like there is a kind of a spunk to, to Game Freak where they they just do weird things they do not understand. And I think that in the next follow up to Arceus, whatever it happens to be, and it, the next game that uses those mechanics and has that kind of world will be a lot better. It's kind of like the DLC for Pokemon Sword and Shield. They can't get it right the first time, but the second time around... Hence the third, hence the third installments of so many Pokemon games. Mm-hmm. Regarding what makes Game Freak tick, this is where I would insert the clip from Spaceballs of Yogurt going moichindizing, moichindizing, moichindizing. Yeah, that's what bupkis. makes Game Freak tick. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that the games they put out are bad. I'm a Sword and Shield defender. So am and I periodically they really surprise you as they have with Pokemon Legends Arceus. Say what you want about the polish and the graphics and everything. It is a surprising and interesting game. But at their core, they're all about the merchandising and that's why the actual Pokemon are really gorgeous in this game. Right. They put so much emphasis on polish. I would say they spend all their resources getting that stuff. Almost certainly. Yeah. And yeah. To their credit, that really works because I think, you know, we've talked a lot about what it doesn't do well so much, but like what it does do well is change the way you think about a Pokedex and catching Pokemon and training Pokemon. Mm. Cause now mm-hmm. everything gets you XP, even just hitting a tree out in yes. the overworld <laughs> gets you XP catching a Pokemon. A and you fill out your Pokedex not by just like, oh, I caught a Pidgey and now it's like registered in my Pokedex yes. and I never think about Pidgey ever again. Like it goes in Bill's PC and disappears. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, now it's you have this list and it's saying, OK, catch one, uh, catch one Bidoof. Now catch three Bidoofs. Now catch two Bidoofs without them ever spotting you stealth catch those Ah, Bidoofs. ah, ah. yeah Ah, and then like ah. see Bidoof use this special move in battle and i think it takes 
you know, I'm not I'm giving away something that I'm probably going to write over the weekend, but I think it takes some very smart notes from Pokemon Snap in terms of yes. that elevating, yeah. escalating uh, learning about a Pokemon, you know, get the Pokemon on a picture. That's one star. Get the Pokemon doing something it would do in its natural habitat. That's two stars, three stars. Okay. Now it's interacting with other Pokemon and yeah. four stars. Would you catch you? It's the weirdest thing I've ever seen this Pokemon do. That's crazy. Like that's, it uses that same escalating system for filling out the Pokedex. It makes it really feel like you're researching. Very satisfying. Yeah. You really yeah. do feel like you're researching something, which I, is something I adore about a uh, snap. I, I tweeted earlier, this weirdly feels like Death Stranding to me. No. <laughs> oh, that, no. Yeah, I'm like thinking My a lot about game. how I move around the area because I have to be careful that I'm stealthing and that I'm using my items effectively. You Items and crafting are so important because your Pokemon will die like that. And it's so easy to get caught off guard and find yourself in a bad situation or your Pokemon just gets type wiped by a, an aggressive mm. Pokemon on the overworld that will just attack you outright. And it is challenging. And oddly enough, in the way I don't think Pokemon fans thought they wanted, because I think they just thought they wanted like, I want harder stat Pokemons and trainers yeah. that have real battles. And this isn't necessarily that it's harder because now you have to think about meta systems that make you engage more with the rules around Pokemon battles and the agile style, strong style stuff is pretty cool too. I like that a lot, but I like that I'm having to actually care about having potions <laughs> and pokeballs and being like, I have to drop some of the stuff I'm carrying. Cause I need to craft more pokeballs in the field right now. Cause I'm running out or I need to like, that's a really aggressive, angry Pokemon. So I'm going to chuck this rock over there so I can get by it without this giant red eyed level 45 Snorlax just jumping on me and murdering me. <laughs> like this is, it's really cool. And it has that death stranding way of like recontextualizing the way you think about the world. And I think that's where some of my disappointment with how empty the world feels is coming from is because even though death strandings world is also very empty, it is like interesting in terms of terrain and the challenges it poses to you. Whereas here it just kind of feels like slopes and mountains and rivers are kind of just slapdash together to make a rough approximate of a biome. <laughs> like that's about it. The weird thing about death stranding is that it's ostensibly set in America, but it looks nothing like America. It might as well just I be wondered about that. It's almost like generic unity assets just kind of thrown into a game, but they unity really it, did a really good job of using the actual terrain. <laughs> but everything else is really ugly in that game, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I always wondered like what part of America was it supposed to be? It just never seemed it's well, supposed to be I mean, all of America. Yeah, You're starting it's, it's literally from east coast, coast to west coast. And there's like the part when you get to the mountains is obviously like you're in Colorado and stuff like that. Like that clicks in my mind. And there's definitely parts that are the Grand Canyon and things like that. Um, as far as how accurate it is to where you are on the map at any given time is up for debate. But uh, yeah. I don't know. I'm not here to argue for Death Stranding. That'll come later in the top 25 RPG show. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think Arceus, it is really tough because I agree with a lot of the sentiments, especially uh, Rebs, that this is a really tough balancing act of it misses on a lot of marks and yet 
I love what this game is doing to the Pokemon formula to the point that I don't want to play a normal Pokemon game again after this. I want to play more games. I was bored with the Pokemon formula. Like I have no problem saying that I've been bored with the Pokemon formula. That's I mean, and I know other people enjoy that formula. They like it more power to you. For me personally, I feel like I got my fill years ago and I've picked it up and played it since, but nothing's ever hit like the originals did for me. And this one is doing enough to make me examine why I love Pokemon and find a new love in Pokemon from that. And I, that's exciting. That's really cool. But that's also why I got to be just as critical about the things where I think it's missing. Yeah. I'm the same way. Eric that's I fair, yeah. got tired of Pokemon a long time ago and I'm happy to see the formula freshened up. But at the same time, if you want to go back to merchandising being what drives me Merchandising. Merchandising. <laughs> they only care about getting fresh blood in. That's why they keep playing the hits over and over and over again. Because it works. For somebody that the most recent generation, there's a generation that was their first, and that's the mm-hmm. one they stand for. Pokemon X and Y, for reasons that are undiscernible to me, is now very popular. Because there are a lot of kids who grew up with it and love it very much. Exactly. It's not no. a good Pokemon game, actually. Mm. But the first one you, you grew up with is, is yours. It's yours. It's the same with Ruby and Sapphire. So yep. I don't know. I know I'm a mark because I already pre-ordered a trainer box of the next trading card game set that's going to come out and i keep putting you're playing the trading card game yeah too. So i don't, I don't collect that. the trading cards it's worse <laughs> i don't play with them at all i just think the art looks neat <laughs> like that it does to be fair yeah and uh pokemon center has these limited edition skateboards that have the evolutions on them and i've had an umbreon one in my cart for like a week now and i just keep oh, looking at it and going I like that, that would look so cool on my wall so i'm a mark that's it that's what half of my criticisms always come back to is like i'm a mark at the end of the day i'm a sucker do you skateboard no <laughs> well let's go to the chat really quickly sardin says i think i'm usually pretty chill about graphics but arceus really does look kind of ugly it is okay to say so. There are much prettier Switch games that are five years old now. Also, it's a game about exploring an imaginary world, so the janky graphics are working directly against what it's doing in this case. So it hurts more than if a traditional Pokemon game were ugly. And so that was kind of where the conversation was going. And Ruka said, I'm thinking of some of my favorite innovative games, Disco Elysium, Valkyrie Profile, Tactics Ogre, all very innovative and in some ways maybe lacking in polish, but the systems and stories are so amazing that they transcend any issues. I can't help but feel that Pokemon Arceus isn't reaching those heights based on Eric's and Reb's comments. Well, I am interested to hear what you, the listeners, think. Send me an email at cat at or on Twitter at the underscore kappa. Pokemon Legends Arceus, I think it's not going to be controversial exactly, but it's going to be interesting to see how the conversation shakes out, whether people kind of venture more toward the, God, this game is so unpolished versus, wow, this game is so innovative and so much fun. And I'm going to be playing it over the next week and I'm talking about it more next week. So you can look forward mm-hmm. to that. It's going to be a mess the way that Sword and Shield discourse is. You can't have good Sword and Shield I, discourse. It doesn't happen. So? I think Sword and Shield was propelled by a heavy dose of toxicity around the Pokedex problem. 
Whereas this one is kind of fresher and newer, as it were. So that's people true. aren't yeah. as salty about it, especially because it's not a core Pokemon game. Mm. That's true. It's it's kind of safe because it's in that zone where it's not a, a blah blah and blah blah installment. A blah blah and blah blah. I, I was thinking installment. of two objects like uh, I don't know uh, a cat and dog. <laughs> Pokemon cat. Pokemon, Pokemon dog. cat. Pokemon dog. Pokemon Boy, knife. Pokemon, Pokemon the game gun. freak really isn't trying anymore, are they? <laughs> <laughs> I, I have seen in like uh, parodies of Pokemon Sword and Shield. The next one being Pokemon Gun. That game's over <laughs> real fast. I'd be into it. <laughs> uh, if it's Final Fantasy, the Pokemon Gun won't win against Pokemon Sword and Shield. And now it's time for an untitled Eric segment. Command. I just like listening to the music. Uh, yeah. So this week. I ended up binge watching an entire TV series in the course of a week. Wow. Uh, and that that was the first season of Yellow Jackets, which is a new prestige TV show hearkening back to a discussion topic from last week. Um, it is a series on Showtime that is essentially uh, what if Lord of the Flies was also a little bit of Lost and it was also... Uh, following a girls soccer team in the 90s. So they're on their way to nationals when their plane goes down in the Canadian wilderness and they are left to their own devices. Things are not as they seem and you get the story told to you in two different times. Uh, One is happening while they're lost in the woods and then the other is happening 25 years later uh, with the, the ones that you get to see afterwards. Did some of them not survive? Did something happen to them there? Who's to say? (laughs) Uh, And let me tell you all, if you're looking for a new TV series to watch, this one's real, 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 real good. Uh, I have heard, granted, I am not a Lost fan, so that colors some of my perception. Uh, You weren't born when Lost came out, right? I was alive when yeah. Lost came out. <laughs> yeah, Lost was. I joke. Uh, Lost was, you know, kind. Of, were you alive not for Lost as well as Lost? <laughs> you were kind of a baby when Lost was around, though. Yeah, but During I remember Lost watching. Heyday. I remember watching the first episode and guessing what the outcome was, and really? like just they're, kind of they're lodging. Like all dead. Well, I'm trying not to spoil here on the podcast, Cat, in case someone is not. Oh watched my God! You're spoiling a decade-old TV show. I, I just uh, know this is a smoke monster. I my brother tried to get me to watch one episode, and I said this is so stupid. I can't do yeah. it. This is where all the Lost fans coming up. Uh, actually, they're not dead. No, no. Some, well, I mean, I literally not guessed, all of them. I literally guessed like exactly what happened with it because I was like, that kind of seems like what they would do with this. And I lodged it in the back of my mind. And years later, someone was like, yeah, so this is what happened. I was like, oh, yeah, that's what I thought was going to happen. They're like, what are you talking about? I was like, it's not that complicated like that's, And and maybe Yellow Jackets is. If you want the idea of Lost without J.J. Abrams constantly trying to come up with interesting twists that aren't going to go anywhere uh, and do anything, because uh, really that's one of my big problems with JJ Abrams as a whole is that the dude loves tricks and fancy stuff, but none of it comes together. It's just more like at the end, he just goes, 
Ta-da! <laughs> he's more it. interested in befuddling internet viewers than telling yeah. a cohesive story. He's he's great at making spectacle, but uh, when it comes to like interesting mysteries that feel like they're rewarding in and of themselves, not so much. Rise of Skywalker really drove home how empty J.J. Oh. Abrams is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I enjoyed Super 8, but it was just him aping Spielberg. Exactly. And then it was like, oh, like this guy has not an original idea of his own. Exactly. Yeah, like put him on something like Force Awakens and he's going to shine because that's just a celebration of the cinema. But he's never going to be the one that comes up with The Last Jedi. Uh, And and that's why The Last Jedi is the best. He hated Last Jedi. Yeah, shots he would. At it in the media. <laughs> he would. And that's why no one should ever listen to him. But <laughs> I digress. This is not the bash JJ Abrams segment. Uh, Yellow Jackets has great mysteries that feel like they come together, have cool, uh, like in, it, they inform the characters and drive the characters in a way that other shows like this don't. And I really feel like. Whereas Lord of the Flies was very much like, here's what boys would do if they were locked on on an island, which honestly, we'd probably just throw rocks in the ocean for the first five days. Like, come on. But, <laughs> um, it's uh, I did think the aspect of having it be the women's soccer team there was cool. They did some interesting stuff with that. And uh, there's a lot of good horror stuff in it, too, that I did not see coming. Uh, of course, you know, they're supernatural things afoot, but the way they handle them is very, very interesting. So I studied uh, Lord of the, almost said Lord of the Rings, Lord of the Flies in grade 11 for English class. Have you ever read it, either of you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah I feel yeah. like it's mandatory that we learn about the kids trying to kill each other. Yeah, it turns I out think... killing each other on an island is a bad idea. Uh, we read that yeah. in the most dangerous game, right at, one right after the other. <laughs> I haven't read the most dangerous game. In school, I read, um, we read, Lord of the Flies. We read Handmaid's Tale. Mm-hmm. Uh, we read Fellow Hamlet. Oh, I love Hamlet. Hamlet is just fantastic. Hamlet's very good. No, 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 no. Sorry, Hamlet sucks. Macbeth. I love what? Macbeth. Yeah, okay, I not, like not Macbeth a big too, fan of but Hamlet. Hamlet's good. Like Hamlet's. Hamlet. Yeah, I was it's okay. Say, it's a little strong to say that Hamlet sucks. <laughs> I was just saying sucks to rile people up because the if we want to turn Hamlet this sucks. into the Shakespeare segment, we can talk some Twelfth Night because <laughs> that's some of some my Shakespeare favorite Shakespeare discourse, baby. We'll I was talk never Midsummer a fan Night's of Twelfth Dream. Night. We can talk a little bit about that, but that I yeah. want to read. I haven't read that one. I thought it was fantastic, though. Just oh, that was also one of my favorites. I thought it was very, very good. Yeah. Uh, as for Lord of the Flies, I thought I read somewhere, and this I haven't read the book itself in a long, long time. We kind of studied it that in that more of a what rich boys would do mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. on an island, and without any sort of sense of preservation, without any sense of caring for each other. Because there have been instances where children have been stranded on islands or, or wherever and they survived. They work together. I mean, yeah. it can't be done. But it's definitely kind of it's a very, very gritty book. And I'm interested in the way that Yellow Jackets implemented the supernatural stuff. I haven't watched it yet. But that was kind of a thing that's overlooked in Lord of the Flies, despite its name being, hey, here's the devil. There was a right. supernatural aspect that wasn't clearly defined. And was it the devil? Was it the kids? Was it all in their head? You had that dead pilot that somehow parachuted out of the plane and landed mm-hmm. on the island and gave them all the f- huge freaking fright. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm glad to see that they're kind of addressing that as well as, you know, the hey, people are horrible aspect of, of Lord of the Flies there. Yeah, it's more like what drives people to that length and then also has a lot of stuff about like 
a lot of questioning about how much of the supernatural is real versus in their heads and all that, which is kind of interesting. But there are multiple points where they do kind of have things happen that are just blatantly like, oh, ghosts. (laughs) (laughs) They don't really they don't really pull punches about it either, which I respect. Like if you're going to have a ghost story, have a ghost story. Uh, And it's a very realistic ghost story too. the way they build it up. Uh, I know that's like a weird oxymoron, but uh, (laughs) it's it's a very compelling show. Uh, Also has some great actresses in it. Um, I was really happy to see. I I feel terrible for forgetting her name now, but she plays the daughter in National Lampoon's Vacation. She plays one of the older girls, like like the the 25 years later uh, girls, the stoner specifically. Yeah, she still has like the same kind of like. Uh, face that you would always give the dad in uh, National Lampoon's vacation whenever he was doing something stupid. (laughs) (laughs) And I really appreciate that. That makes me happy. But it's it's a solid. Also, if you like 90s music, it's just bangers after bangers. It's it's really watch it now. Yeah. I mean, I respect one that goes in and says we're going to have a Jane's addiction song, but it's not going to be Jane says and it's not going to be stop. We're going to pull down mountain song. And that's a good cut. I respect that. So uh, shout outs to Yellow Jackets for picking some good 90s. I mean, you have the normal hits that you'd expect. Uh, no Nirvana. They talk about Nirvana in Thank the God. show, but well, no Nirvana. Nirvana is probably too expensive to license. Oh, absolutely. I was never a fan of Nirvana anyway. So, yeah, oh, that was Kurt Cobain. I Nirvana. <laughs> never. I was always mad because I was always a rock person and grunge came in and grunged everything up. So I was bitter. I, they got they got some cranberries in there. They got uh, some cranberries. Uh, oh, yeah, God, cranberries. What was the other? There's another one that they use that I really, really oh, like. And they have Kiss from a Rose, which is just a banger all the time. It's never not uh, a banger. <laughs> I can't think I can't not think of Batman when I hear that song. You have to think of Batman. It's of course critical you do. to the contextual importance of that song is Batman. <laughs> so. That's one of the best movie soundtracks ever made. Don't at me. The Eric's. original Batman 89. No, no, Batman uh, Forever. Batman Forever, yeah, with Catwoman. Batman, right? Batman 89 had a great soundtrack. Too. No, not the one with Catwoman. That's Batman Returns. Batman Forever was the weird one with Jim Carrey as the uh, the Riddler. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, no, Eric didn't know. He thought that it was the one with Catwoman. I, uh-huh. I, get, him, I get those two mixed up a lot for some okay. reason. Uh, I liked yeah. Batman Forever. Uh, of course, Batman and Robin was a trash. Bat fire. Nipples. Okay, but that's a fun trash fire. Batman and Robin is a fun trash fire. Not if you pay to see it. I disagree. Batman Forever is the fun one just because of Jim Carrey. Batman Forever. Batman Forever is just boring. Batman Forever is Batman and Robin. Did I say Batman Batman and Robin? Yeah, we're getting confused now. So Batman and Robin. Is the one with with Mr. Freeze and Arnold Schwarzenegger just walking his way through the entire role? I do see you. (laughs) I do see you. Like I said, I paid money to see that in the theater. I'm like, Jesus Christ, this can't be real. Can I can I get up and walk? But I was frozen to my seat as 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 would happen. Hot take. I'd probably rather watch any of those Batman movies than one of the Nolan movies again. I kind of agree. I'd watch Dark Knight Rises again. Um, I don't know. I, I watched it once. I good. think if I picked any of those, I'd watch Dark Knight again. Not, but I think not I'm Dark just Knight tired. Rises. That's the bad one. Dark Knight. Yeah, yeah. The, the, jo- the Joker one. one. The Joker one. Yeah. Uh, I I liked those movies for what they were at the time, and also think they were extremely of their time. And I'm just everyone is well past that time in superhero mm-hmm. movies now. Mm-hmm. Batman mm-hmm. Begins is all right. It's a solid origin story. 
I cannot remember. Any I feel like this is something we should save for the post show. This oh, is a yeah. conversation. Eric's untitled yeah. Batman segment is getting a little long here. Yeah. <laughs> the final, the final word is that uh, Mask of the Phantasm is the best Batman movie. Oh, okay. That's something okay. maybe we'll talk about on the post show. That'll be our post <laughs> post show segment. Best Batman. Tune movie. in, tune in for Batman discourse. No, 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 no. Find out why Batman eighty nine is the best Batman film. It is a good film. Like we're not going to bring up the Adam West Batman movie. Come on now. His Some Batman days, Simpsons was so great. <laughs> you just can't get rid of a bomb. <laughs> I called you 10 minutes ago. <laughs> Y'all, it's that time of month, as always. The Pantheon of the Blood God vote. Yes, each month we go through and we pick four games that are nominated for the Pantheon. And the community gets to go and vote and argue. It's a party time over in the Discord. Everybody has different opinions. And this month, we have Valkyria Chronicles, Final Fantasy Tactics, Fire Emblem Awakening, and Super Robot Wars OG Original Generations for the PlayStation 2. Yeah, it's Tactics RPG Month. Eric, it's your time to shine. I'm happy. Which one should we pick? Which one do you want to talk about the most? Oh, see, that's the thing, is I looked at this list and I said that there are games on here that I think are just far and away deserving of Pantheon inclusion. Like, we don't even have to vote on it. I think there's two games in here that obviously deserve to be in the Pantheon. Uh, there's a Super Robot Wars game, which... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Eric! <It's> okay. <laughs> Eric! I, I do it to stir the controversy. We gotta keep the podcast spicy. Uh, but... I mean, sure, I'll play that game. Valkyria Chronicles is the one I would most like to talk about. I think that one is such an interesting RPG that has not really been done elsewhere and certainly not done well elsewhere, even within its own series. (laughs) Um, Oh, yeah. uh, I also love Valkyria Chronicles 4 a lot, but I do think one is the one that's specifically interesting to go back and talk about because it was the first of its kind and uh, the way it tells its story is very interesting and the way it approaches the story was very novel for the time as well. You know, it does have that sort of approach of, oh, you know, we're just a bunch of hometown kids and stuff like that. And oh, but anime Germany is invading and World War Two has come to our doorstep. <laughs> it's more like anime Russia meets anime Germany. It's kind uh, of a an- combination. Anime no, Russia is a little was... bit more VC4. You're, yeah, yeah, you're right. It's anime, anime Germany. But it's anime World War One Germany rather than Nazis. Yeah. Oh, there's plenty of concentration uh, camps. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of combines the two, I suppose. I just remember a kind of a, a chilling, so to speak, scene in Valkyrie mm-hmm. Chronicles 4 was when it starts to snow because you know it's coming. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, VC1 is very, is the one that's worth talking about for what it did for the genre. And then VC4 yeah. is, I think, maybe like, the the culmination of those ideas and also they added the the mortar class and the mortars are just stupid fun i love using uh, the, the grenadiers yeah yeah but then they happen to you yeah but i don't know you just gotta have the right units you have that one dude with the thompson submachine gun who's incredibly misogynistic but he's also like the best assault in the game and you just have <laughs> him storm every mortar pit <laughs> and he, you just win that way 
There was a character who has Sonic the Hedgehog's voice in that game, and I laugh mm-hmm. my ass off every time I hear him, especially since there's a side quest. That's one good thing about the game. There's a lot of side quests where you get to oh, know characters. Oh, so many good side quests. And yeah. there's a side quest where he's paired with like two people who just want to die. In the One's an mm-hmm. edgelord who's like, I'm going to be a hero. The other one's just like, I have nothing to live for. And this mm-hmm. poor Sonic the Hedgehog guy is like, oh, I have a wife and a kid, and it's really nice, and you should all look on the bright side of life. <laughs> I love that in, game so much. In this game, Sonic gets a wife and kid. <laughs> <laughs> finally um, settles down yeah i think valkyria chronicles is just an incredibly interesting game to talk about so like well, while tactics is the the front runner for obvious reasons and i think also just if i'm laying cards on the table early an obvious candidate for pantheon consideration i think that almost works against it because it's you look at that you're like yeah it's final fantasy tactics of course it's a good rpg like no one needs to debate this but like valkyria chronicles we have a really good debate going about that mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. eric likes so whether it holds so yeah <laughs> i would like to see val chronicles win just because i think it's a really interesting game to talk about is that your pitch nadia that's the one you want i think so like i, I agree with everything eric said and whereas we think of strategy games as grid based valkyria chronicles is really something different and it came out in a time, as we have discussed on the podcast before, when the the scene for JRPGs was really, really bad. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. this was really a, a bright breath of hope. Yeah, I, I just think it's a really great game. And I'd love just to get a chance to talk about it some more. Yeah, there's a lot of historical context going on with mm-hmm. Valkyria yeah. Chronicles. <laughs> so I'm going to make my pitch for Super Robot Wars OG <laughs> Original Generation. Oh, uh, uh, OK. Yeah, yeah. Didn't see that. Don't make fun of me. Hands to your I'm hearts. Not making fun of me. I'm fun of you. <laughs> Super Robot Wars OG Original Generations was recently received a fan translation by one of our friends of the show, Christina Rose, who oh, cool. I streamed Super Robot Wars Z with at one point. And I here's why you should support Super Robot Wars OG Original Generations. First of all, it's gorgeous. It's one of the best looking PS2 games out there these days. Second of all, it lays the it takes a fairly rich and surprisingly rich history of mecha from out throughout the series and brings it all together with a ton of amazing original character designs, original mecha designs. It's quite lovely. Even though it's Bandai Namco, it's not generic. They have like legit mecha designers out there making these actual units. The music is absolutely kicking. There's so much game to explore with this one. It's one of the most sophisticated Super Robot Wars games in terms of the actual unit customization and the way the, what you can equip and unequip. And you don't have to be rooted to any particular series in terms of fan service with this one because they're all original characters. So you can kind of enjoy it on its own merits. I think that when it comes to a Super Robot Wars game, usually my recommendation is, well, if you like a particular series, like, I don't know, Yamato or something, play Super Robot Wars D. But Super Robot Wars OG, I can recommend to anybody because it's just a really, really great tactics RPG, one of the best games in the entire series. And I don't mind celebrating Super Robot Wars OG in an episode of the Pantheon. And if y'all aren't careful... I'm going to just have a week one year where our month where we have Super Robot Wars month and you have to pick one and you're just going to have to play it. And that's just how it's going to be. Cat <laughs> has too much power. I I do. Look, y'all let me control all this. Y'all let me control mm-hmm. the Pantheon. 
I get to choose what goes into it. I just saw an image go into the Star of Destiny chat, so I was like, what is this? (laughs) (laughs) So, Super Robot, I didn't know that Super Robot Wars, the first one, used generic uh, or like original characters. When did it start going, you know, really heavy on the series that they said with two? Oh, from the start, because Super Robot Wars started on the Game Boy back in the early 90s, and it had Gundam and Mazinger and Getter Robo. That was pretty much it. And they kept going. And then at a certain and later games started adding original characters who would kind of tie the story together, right? And each game started having its own characters. And then there was a certain point where the developer was like, oh, let's make a game featuring these original characters. And they started getting their own really intricate stories that continued to carry on. And I would say that arguably found its fullest expression in Super Robot Wars original generation. On the GBA, interestingly enough, this was a remake for the PlayStation 2 and a really good one at that. The definitive one. Now I know. Now you know. That's why you should vote for Super Robot Wars OG. But and here's what I say. You want to listen to us talk about Final Fantasy Tactics for the 100,000th time? You want us to <laughs> talk about Super Robot Wars, a game you've probably never played. You can learn something. It's not yeah. all about comfort food. Or you can but justify. But you're all going to vote for Final Fantasy Tactics because Final Fantasy Tactics is winning right now. Like I said, I would vote for Valkyria Chronicles. Just saying. I'm not saying and nothing against Tactics. I'm fine with voting for Valkyria Chronicles, but I get the impression that people are going to vote for Super, uh, Super Robot this is a uh, this is a Freudian slip. Cat holding I, uh, the gun I, up to the camera. I have a feeling people are going to yeah. vote for. <laughs> I am no longer asking. Um, I get the feeling that people are going to pick Final Fantasy Tactics, and you know what? That's fine because it's actually good for the podcast because people will go Final Fantasy Tactics. I got to get in on that, so I'm into it. Oh, and somebody was asking like, why did we wait a a month early? to do the tactics RPG one when Triangle Strategy is coming out in March. Because in March, everybody's going to be playing Triangle Strategy. So we're kind of preparing for it, as it were. And then the Pantheon episode will come out like two days before Triangle Strategy. So that is why we are not doing a a Pantheon episode for a tactics RPG in like March. Okay, that's the Pantheon of the Blood God vote. If you haven't voted already... Go and vote. We still have time to get Valkyria Chronicles and or Super Robot Wars OG, which is not going to win, into the uh, the, the slot. But right now, Final Fantasy Tactics does have a lead, so we shall see. Go ahead and vote at patreon.com slash bloodgodpod. And now, it's time for Nadia's Nostalgia Nook slash Pit. sort of feel like this should be more ominous it really should i was about to say that's a very start playing it backwards like the lavender town music (laughs) (laughs) that's what we're gonna decide it's like we could have a a soundboard where it's either this or the bad one it's like which one's it gonna be (laughs) the pit or the nook let's find out sometimes it's not determined until the end though and it be, the whole discussion becomes very cursed. So there's, we can't really predict. It's, it's a chaotic energy that cannot be handled. It's true. 
So, Nadia, tell us about what we are nostalgic for this week. Do you guys remember whoopee cushions? Oh, sure do. Of course I do. Did you uh, play with them a lot when you were a kid? Like, did you like? Were you the one who slipped them under so that we like go under your grandma or something? Was that you? Definitely not. I could never get them to work right. They always were just kind of like the little. Like a little wind. I never got like the whatever it is, like the, the flap. Yeah, because yeah. it's got to make the friction on the inside, right? It's like yeah. the rubber. Yeah. Well, um, for some reason, when I was in school grade, I don't know what it was, six or something like that. It was an age where kids should have known a lot better, but they didn't. Uh, whoopee cushions got into vogue for some reason. And, you know, the kids were doing the stupid things where they slip each- under each other's desks just as mm-hmm. they sit down. Mm-hmm. So uh, we used to have a lot of circle time in school. I'm sure you guys did too. You sit on the carpet. Oh, yeah, yeah. Some kid does that to another kid, slips the whoopee cushion under at the last second, and it just explodes. It, <laughs> it doesn't deflate. It explodes. <laughs> the guy, the kid, I still have this in my mind, burned into my memory, which is so amazing because I can revisit <laughs> it whenever I'm, I'm upset or sad or whatever. Just the kid... The thing exploding, the kid falling over, because of course, like it's not an even surface to sit on. And then the first kid who slipped it under said, um, you got to pay for that. You broke my whoopee cushion. <laughs> <laughs> the other kid's like, are you nuts? Are you whack? What, what is your problem? <laughs> so <laughs> putting things on chairs used to be a proud student tradition. I don't know if the kids still do it these days. Um, there was once an incident with a tack and a teacher, but I had nothing to do with that, I swear. It wasn't uh-huh. a Hebrew teacher. Uh-huh. It, wasn't sure. even, it wasn't even a regular teacher. It seemed like pranks were kind of out of vogue by the time I, yeah. I was like growing up in the 90s or whatever. Like seemed like much more of a boomer thing. Oh, I, I pulled pranks. Oh, yeah? Yeah, in high school even. Like, come on. Oh, wow. Like, Look at you, Eric. My, my senior year, I decided I was going to pull. You know, we had some senior pranks and stuff like that that we did. But I decided I was going to pull my own one. So I was in band and that meant that uh, obviously we had those little pocket metronomes, right? The, the ones that would just give you like the boop, boop, and you could set it to whatever tempo and, and time and volume that you wanted. So I picked one on the slowest setting, set it to as slow as it could go <laughs> and put it just barely audible. And I tried a few different places in my band director's office to hide it. Um, and the thing was heart. the first two times found it right away. Once was uh, in the ceiling tile, which I thought would take him a bit longer. That's good. That's really, that's really good. good. Yeah. And the other, the other was inside a pack of diet Coke that he had. So like, it was one of those ones that you ripped the top off and they kind of like, uh, roll yeah, out. Yeah. And so I rolled some cans back and shoved it in the back and then pushed the cans back in, found him right away each time. Uh, wow. So at that Smart point, dude. I was I was like, I'm challenged. OK, I got to think about this. So I taped it to the bottom of his rolling chair and uh, mm. I did that at the start of third period. And I had like band, which at that point it was like the end of the year. So it wasn't real class anymore. <laughs> and I had an off period. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I left to go home and hang out and, and play some video games and stuff. And I came back uh, to pick up my brother. Uh, who was also in high school at the time. And I walk in and one of my friends comes up to me. He's like, Eric, did you hide a metronome in the director's office again? And I was like, maybe. And she was like, don't go in there. 
<laughs> and I was like, <laughs> why? And I look over and there are three directors tearing this office apart looking for this metronome. <laughs> As I later heard it, uh, they kept just moving it everywhere because they never thought to look under the chair. And so it was moving across the room and just breaking their brains. And they were so mad about it. So I get to hang that one. That's feather in my cap forever. Uh, I get to That's go a home good on that one. one. No, yeah. that is excellent. The Pranks are good. Pranks are fun. Pranks can be fun as long as they don't like, you know, involve putting attack on a Hebrew teacher's chair. Yeah, but yeah. Don't hurt someone. It, don't be mean to someone. <laughs> just do something that annoys them. Yeah, they should be laughing when you're done. Too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if they were laughing about this one. I think this one might have like telltale hearted them. <laughs> <laughs> that slow, determined tick would probably wear down on your sanity after a while. Yeah, it was something like it was like. 40 bpm so less than a beat per second so it was like real just boop boop like just sounds real like slow. the heartbeat of an elder god just slow and steady mm-hmm. and inexorable mm-hmm. that would drive me up the wall but kudos to the fu- to the ceiling tile thing that was brilliant i have to say that was yeah, really good I, I yeah i was mad they found that one so quick that they shouldn't have found someone sne- someone squealed i have to say someone squealed i, I there's think no way they would have found that if you hear it coming from up in like an Uh, office like you're gonna check the shelves then you're gonna check the ceiling tiles like that's you know (laughs) somebody in my high school put a fish in one of the ceiling tiles and that was a real disaster no 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 yeah a fish no that was bad yeah for some reason from like the supermarket yeah Mm -hmm. just like your frozen fish you get from like the supermarket just put a fish in there oh my god the smell must have been horrible it was was not good Yeah. yeah yeah We got a day off school for that one. Same with like hiding a piece of baloney inside someone's like handset for a phone. That one's real. Don't do that. Are you speaking from experience? It works. I'm not saying whether I speak from experience or not. uh, I plead the fifth. It works. But at what cost? Like that's. Yeah. yeah. It's bad. Well, that was Eric's nostalgia pitch. Thank you for (laughs) listening. We shared it this week. Nadia, uh, Eric's hijacked your own segment. It's pretty impressive, actually. Well, if he, he if he contributes good stories, then I don't care. I'm all about the stories. Nadia gets to kick back and be like, I don't have to do any work here. It's great. There you go. That's the way to look at it. Eric carrying the segments. Well, <laughs> I think my exploding whoopee cushion story was good. I mean, it had an it exploding whoopee cushion. I can't stop thinking about like a big bang noise and then like <laughs> dead silence and the kid being like, you got to buy me a new whoopee cushion. <laughs> you got to pay for that. <laughs> Another kid being like, what the hell's your problem? <laughs> oh, school. Oh, school. Well, it's time now for the top 25 RPG remake 2022 Intergrade, the segment in which we pick four more RPGs to be going into the list of our top 25 RPG remakes. So the Pantheon is kind of the hall of fame of rpgs right the top 25 rpg list is a holy list it's a holy scroll the blood god occasionally consults of the absolute greatest rpgs of all time and we are trying to do this right we're consulting with the community we're adding our own picks and it's time now to hear what nadia's pick is for the top 25 rpg remake 2022. Just to confirm for myself here, I think I wrote down Final Fantasy VII, right? I didn't like chicken you out did. and delete it. Okay. 
I'm going with Final Fantasy VII because... If we work really hard, we can get all the Final Fantasies into this let's, nomination let's list. Let's just make this a whole pantheon of Final Fantasy games. I think you can try. audience <laughs> respond really well to that. You know, Nadia, like, I'm happy to let you take that. You can, uh, you can just keep adding Dragon Quest and Final Fantasies. I was thinking about, like, okay, am I going to add another Dragon Quest game? No, I probably shouldn't. Because, to be honest, though, 3 is probably my, the best pick you can make. Probably going to give it to Final Fantasy VII because it is, in many ways, still a core Final Fantasy game. You have a menu, a turn-based system, blah, blah, blah. But there's so much to it that changed RPGs forever, especially visually, especially in terms of the character engagement, especially in terms of environments you explore, and just the fact that you have to understand at the time, and Kat, you probably remember this, RPGs were not really known as a genre that had fantastic visuals to it or any sort of impressive visuals whatsoever. Closest you got was Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy VI, which both look beautiful, but Final Fantasy VII, despite all its compromises, I still think it has some of the best background builds uh, builds in all of RPG history. Mm. It's such an influential, powerful RPG that I have had time to go over and over and over again in my head and say what works, what doesn't, that I think it could be a really interesting inclusion to the Pantheon. Uh, Thank you. This is my essay, Nadia Oxford, age six. I can't disagree, honestly, because Final Fantasy VII, it blew my mind exactly. back in 1997. And yeah. I started replaying it ahead of the remake. I got about halfway through, but I mean, that time, I really enjoyed it. I, I guess I was kind of accepting it more on its own terms a little bit. I hear a lot of people say, oh, it's really dated. Like, look at how uh, slapdash that the cutscenes are. Like, I hate the people with their... Salt shaker hands, that kind of thing. <laughs> Saying Lego hands I, or Popeye hands. Yeah. I kind of enjoy the Cupid dolls. I don't know. There, I said it. I like They're it. They're very much something of their time. The one time you saw that exact style in Square Enix, because after that, Final Fantasy VIII, of course, looked much more realistic for what that was worth. Even yeah. Parasite Eve has that strange mm-hmm. in between, which is really interesting. But both Parasite Eve and Final Fantasy VII have that distinct look. Final Fantasy VII, for my money, there is no other Final Fantasy game like it that has that atmosphere. Something about its atmosphere is absolutely yeah. just cannot be duplicated. And I think that also counts for a lot with an RPG. And Midgar, where you spend... the first Midgar, 10 like, hours. it's iconic. Yeah, incredible. Exactly. Incredible piece of world building and that moment when you step out of Midgar. And Sephiroth is an incredible villain. What do you want? Sephiroth like, he's one of the. One of the greatest villains in RPG history, gaming history. I mean, just think about how hard Sephiroth hit in the Smash Brothers reveal, right? Oh, God, yeah. Because he killed everyone, and it was great. (laughs) Yeah, that was the best reveal. And Final Fantasy VII uh, had a sense of horror to it. Like, the atmosphere is just really amazing. And that that element in particular really holds up. I think so. It it was quite sophisticated uh, for its time in the way that it kind of approached a lot of big ideas in terms of, well, everything. It took a lot of cues from Evangelion, among other things. And yeah, the games like that, they don't make games like that anymore, and it's too bad. And I think Final Fantasy VII is also extremely important to Westerners in particular because that was the Final Fantasy game that really changed everything in the way we perceive Final Fantasy. That has stuck with the series ever since. It's stuck with RPGs ever since. 
I uh, just want to take a moment to pivot to the chat who are just going crazy, crapping all over Final Fantasy VII. And I want to say... <laughs> they are young children. They do not understand. Thank you for all of lambs. your support. You're so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> now this has to be in the Pantheon. Holy crap. <laughs> all right. I got a spicy pick alert. A spice, a warning, a spicy cat pick is approaching fast. My pick for this week is Dragon Age Inquisition, the most underrated RPG of the previous generation. Dragon Age Inquisition is constantly unfairly uh, compared to The Witcher. And I have to say this, Dragon Age Inquisition is gorgeous. The combat is actually quite fun and accessible. It has a lot of really memorable scenes, particularly the Orlesian Ball. I really enjoy the characters who follow you around. There was a reason that we uh, picked this game to be the game of the year in many cases in 2014. It was an outstanding Bioware game. It's by far the best Dragon Age game, and it's not close. The world is a delight to explore. I loved riding my battle moose. That was lovely. <laughs> yeah. And then it had Trespasser, which itself was oh. a phenomenal oh. piece of DLC. And that is my pick. Dragon what Age do you think, Inquisition. Eric? I can't believe you nominated this before I got to it. That's what I can't ha, believe. Gotcha. Uh, I, I, I will admit when I first saw you put this down as your pick i was raising eyebrows and even some of your justifications such as it being the best dragon age had me raising my eyebrows but uh i will say that you make a strong case for it and especially in terms of i do think this game gets criminally overlooked even though i know that sounds really weird to say about like a triple a rpg that was freaking backed by ea and stuff like that but mm. uh it felt like between the Witcher coming out and then uh, them announcing a new Dragon Age practically right after this game was out the door and then not delivering said Dragon Age as of the time of this recording uh, really took a lot of the wind out of that game sales. Trespasser is maybe one of the best DLCs I've ever seen for a video game and the romance system in Inquisition is incredible so much of the quest design is incredible, especially in, as you said, like the uh, the Winter Palace segment is absolutely wonderful. And even some of the side quests and things like that go into really cool, interesting places. It does one of the boldest moves I've ever seen a video game do, which is not even Mass Effect would do it, which is kill a player character. That's awesome. That's cool. Death. Uh, yeah, like they literally say, hey, here's your player character from a previous game. What if they die? <laughs> that'd be cool. That'd be fun. Wouldn't that be a, great? That's a really cool thing. I think it embodies a lot of the ambition that Bioware can have uh, at times with their decision making. And I like it a lot for that. So this this is an interesting pick. This is a good pick. Uh, I do. I'm seeing the chat and. Uh, I'm not arguing for DAO. Uh, I'm a Dragon Age 2 sicko. So uh, <laughs> everyone's going to have yeah. to cope with that. He's one of those people. I know, right? Inquisition is mm, 
the moment when the series found its voice, in my opinion, because Dragon Age Origins was trying to ape the 90s isometric RPGs with mm-hmm. a big budget. And, and it was Game of it, Thrones, basically. It has its merits. It has its merits. It's cool. I think uh, some really good DLC as well. But I think that Inquisition is where they kind of figured out finally where they wanted this thing to go. Because Dragon Age 2 was like, well, but now more action. We need more action in this one. And Inquisition was where it kind of kind of found the middle, I think. And yeah, and somebody was commenting on how uh, it has a lot in common with Suikoden. Uh, or pulls uh, kind of um, inspiration from Suikoden. And I can't hate that Suikoden kind of rules so yeah, dragon yeah, age inquisition yeah. uh i think it's too bad that dragon age 4 seemingly is never going to come out but it'll happen you got to keep yeah. the faith i think inquisition just deserves another shot it, it deserves another look and i at, at a minimum it should get into it should get a pantheon episode but i i, I i'm not joking i I would entertain a conversation about putting into the top 25. Yeah, mm-hmm. I said it. Mm-hmm. Okay, Eric, what is your pick? Well, it's tactics month, right? We got to start talking about tactics now. And you you pick some great tactics games. And I respect you not picking one of the goats, if only to give room for everybody else to shine. Because I should have picked this one. I should have put this one instead of Super Robot Wars. Not gonna no, lie. no, 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 no. I like Super Robot Wars being in. I okay. think it's good. Because frankly, if this Thank one you. went in. Thank you. If this one went in, it would have won. It would have straight up yeah, won. No so. contest yeah. in already. We don't even need to do a Pantheon because this is this is not your daddy's tactics game. All right. This is not old stuffy Final Fantasy. This is not front mission. This is Shin Megami Tensei devil survivor you got seven days to live you're in a party with all your demons everybody's dying the city's screwed angels and devils are fighting in the streets your cell phone summons demons i love this game this game i will fight for a top 25 spot because this is the perfect marriage of a tactics rpg and a traditional rpg it brings it all together and doesn't miss a single beat in the process it's got social links if you've ever been playing shin megami tensei and you're like i like this game but i wish it had social links i wish it had some persona in it devil survivors what you want that's where it's at imagine everybody's got the little death timer over them and you have routes so many routes based off of who lives and dies based on how you spend your time in the apocalypse this game is so good i'm so mad that more people have not played it and purely because it was on the ds and it was a shimigami tensei game that wasn't named persona but this is legitimately i think a star in the shimigami tensei pantheon absolutely deserves to be talked about i love this game the sequel's a banger too but i got a shout out for the first one uh yes yes sickos in the chat let me hear you (laughs) it's our time rise up devil survivor let's go imagine like you have a cell phone and you you try to call your mom and it summons baphomet like that would just be like hey mom (laughs) oh crap it's it's so (laughs) it's so good it's a game that shouldn't work because of how overstuffed it is like you have shin megami tensei battles but they're playing out on a tactics grid that you're then recontextualizing the way you think because now you're not building 
an RPG party, you're building four RPG parties that are going up against like six or more RPG parties. And so you have one that's maybe a ranged class that's going to purely sit in the back and snipe with physical attacks. But oh no, that one has resistance to physical. So you got to bring in your magic class over here. Like now you're thinking on a broader, I I think the way it scales all of that up without losing the magic of how Shimigami Tensei combat works really well is so good. Like again, this is just so good. And and the routes, the routes are all so incredible. There's so many different ways to get through this game and get to different endings and end up with different characters in your party. And it's oh, it's all so good. Devil Survivor is too good to be ignored. So yeah. I think that's fair. I haven't played it, but it definitely sounds like something I should try to play. I wish that like a lot of DS and 3DS games that it had something on the Switch that I could go for. Mm-hmm. And now it's time for the community pick. And this week's community pick is Grandia. And this is the argument made by JB. The greatest thing about Grandia is the battle system. Mixing turn-based and ATB, every person on the field advances on a single timed bar. When you reach 90% of the bar, you select an action which modifies how long the final 10% fills. It's a brilliant system that combines the deep planning of turn-based with risk-reward of real-time. Internalizing the speed of enemy attacks as well as defending becomes important. Do you think you can overtake an opponent who is halfway charged, or is it safer to defend and get an advantage when your charge cycles around? JB wrote a very lengthy defense of Grandia, and if you're on the Discord, you should go read it. Uh, I will add that the battle system has been hugely influential over the yeah, years. Yeah, definitely. And mm-hmm. Grandia had a banger of a soundtrack, and it uh, is one of the best 32-bit RPGs out there would absolutely consider it for the Pantheon. And Arcate says, I also want to add that the story, while a light adventure story on the surface, does have its dark and sad moments. However, it has a high energy and the characters a real joyful and positive outlook from setting out on their adventure. They are so excited to go on their journey as a player is. They express their feelings in many ways and are real characters. This translates to what feels like a real unauthentic adventure. We sometimes talk about the vibes in games being important, and usually that is dark, depressing vibes. But in the case of Grandia 2, it's more feel-good vibes. Sorry. In the case of Grandia, it feels more like good vibes. I like Grandia 2, but Grandia 1's better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think uh, that's generally yeah. consensus. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Grandia 2 just had a bad story. Great music, though. Amazing music. I would also yeah. consider Grandia 2 for the, the Pantheon. Came very close to uh, being one of the picks. I think Lufia 2 beat it out, though. That's right. Sh- yeah, you're right. Yeah. Sure did. But that is the four new games that we will be adding to the list for the Top 25 RPG Remake 2022 Remake. Got a lot of great RPGs on the list. We've added Undertale already. We added Dragon Quest Three. We added Dark Souls. Many other games to be put in for consideration. And thank you so much to JB and ArcT for adding in their own thoughts and keep those nominations coming. We're going to keep going all the way into June, but Dragon Age Inquisition, Final Fantasy VII, Shin Megami Tensei, Devil Survivor, and Granda, you are in consideration for the top 25 RPGs of all time. All right, we're getting to the end of the episode, so let's go with some random encounters. And we have a Steam Deck release date in February 
but it's not for cat. She won't be getting one until quarter two because I was sat slow. Didn't get my pre-order in on time. Eric and Nadia, have you pre-ordered a Steam Deck? Yeah, I'm in that I queue have, too, bunch too. Yeah, yeah. I have put my name in there, but I have not heard a thing and I will not and probably till at least a year. Elden Ring, we've seen a whole bunch more of that game. They released like new gameplay. There was an interview with Hidetaka Miyazaki over on the PlayStation blog, and he said, in Elden Ring, we have not intentionally tried to lower the game's difficulty, but I think more players will finish it this time. So uh, <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, they he, he was out there saying stuff like there's a lot more magic in the world, like they got some more abilities in there. And also one of the points that I was really happy to see was that the co-op is supposed to be a lot easier to use this time around. They said they removed some of the barriers that were there before. So I'm hopeful that that makes it a little bit of a smoother ride for people who want to team up and blast through these. EA is making three Star Wars games, not one, not two, three. One is an FPS one is a Jedi Fallen Order game, and this one should be of interest to RPG fans, especially in light of the Tactics RPG month being this month. It includes a strategy game, which will probably be sort of like XCOM. So Star Wars XCOM by people from Firaxis, or formerly of Firaxis. Yes, please. I'm very excited about that. 100%. I feel like EA learned a lot of very hard lessons after Battlefront 2. I think think that Disney picked them up by the scruff of their neck and shook them real hard. And now they're very scared and will probably give us some good Star Wars games without loot boxes. Well, Dice is too busy with 2042 right now. so That's true. That's true. But just the license in general, I think Disney gave them a good talking to. And on that note, KOTOR on Switch fixed its giant text problem. Yes, it's pretty much the only <laughs> right. Switch game that has too big of text i know Usually it's too small yeah come back please i'm old i really need this <laughs> it also added the cheat console which is really nice love that i think more old games should do that when they come to switch mm -hmm. and stuff honestly like that's what you want at the end of the day and actually kotor on the switch what are the very best ways to play a classic rpg uh mm -hmm. possibly even better than a pc you have to do a lot of work to get the pc version properly set up it doesn't hold up super well on other platforms but on switch they did a really good job with it so go check it out all right we are reaching the end of our episode it's time to head over to the post show so we'll be over just a moment to talk more about batman movies among other <laughs> things so please join us there for the rest of you thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of acts of the blood god if you enjoy the show Go ahead and leave us a review on the podcast of your choice. It brightens our day, helps the visibility of the podcast. And if you want to support the podcast for five bucks a month, you'll get access to a lot of bonus content, including Charlie and Dropouts, which just dropped uh, just last dropped. week. Yep, very good. And also special episodes like our deep dive uh, game developer quest was from software. And then, of course, we have the Pantheon of the Blood God. You can come join us for a live recording. Lots of stuff. Lots of great stuff from the Patreon, patreon.com slash bloodgodpod. We'll be back next week to talk more about Pokemon Legends, Arceus, and add more games to the top 25 RPG remake list and all of that good stuff. But until then, for Nadia, Eric, myself, thanks so much for listening. Happy adventuring.
Nadia dead. <laughs> the, the Shakespeare cops came for Nadia. <laughs> Am I still here? Did I disconnect or something? <laughs> you're, you're back He just now. totally dropped. Yeah. Wow. Shakespeare cops came for me. <laughs> What's this he said about Hamlet, ma'am? <laughs> <laughs>